You know, when I was a kid, we used to do this thing when we would play games. We would have two of the best guys at the game and they would choose. And you would call odds or evens. Anybody experience this? And so the two guys at the best game, the guy who would win, he would go, I choose so-and-so. And then that guy would come on his team and then they would do it again. And whoever would win, then I choose so-and-so. And it would go on like that. Did anybody else feel a terrible sense of anxiety that you weren't going to be chosen? I felt that. I really felt that. But there were times, and this was cool moments, there were times when one of my dear friends, like Mikey, me, Joe, Ray, uh, Adelio, one of those guys that really, really loved me, they would choose me, not because I was any good at the game. They would choose me, but because we were so close. They would go, and I, I, granted, they wouldn't choose me like the very first person because they realized what they were dealing with. But by the time the second, third person came around, they were like, okay, I'll take Edwin. He's my boy. I tell you, I can't tell you how excited I was in those moments because I wasn't left out. There's something beautiful about being chosen, right? It's true when um, you see someone across a room and then they look at you and they choose you. You feel at the moment when a man comes down on one knee and says, will you spend the rest of your life with me? And then he feels it when she in tears turns back and says, I choose you. There's something about being chosen. And I, but I tell you, there's also something about being not chosen. Isn't that true? There's a pain there. And there's, a, there's a, a, a loneliness and a hurt and a, a heartache that, that we deal with. God knows that every one of us are looking to be chosen for someone, for something. He knows that that's in us. He knows that our hearts yearn for that. Nobody, nobody looks to be the least popular in the yearbook, right? Nobody looks to be totally alienated from, from all other people. There's a, difference, there's a difference between being an introvert and like preferring, oh, I like being by myself and all that other stuff, but still having friends, and then nobody wanting anything to do with you. That is a heartache. We see that in movies and our hearts break over it. So God knows this, and so in his word, over and over and over, he says this, I'll do the choosing. I'll do the choosing. I'll do the chasing. I'll do the pursuing. Because you have no idea how much you need the Lord. But like those games, they choose in those games for a purpose. Isn't that right? Like, you know, if we were playing basketball, they didn't choose me to get a bat and hit a ball, right? That would be a different game. It would be, well, in some neighborhoods, you know, there was that. But um, the fact is, is that they chose me to play a position on a team. And so we find that God does the choosing and that God has an agenda for choosing us. Beloved, you need this. And the reason that you need to know this is because there are going to be some times when you start thinking, I'm 
not worthy to be loved. I've messed up too much. I've done too many things that are wrong. And I want you to know that there's no amount of mess up that God can't still pursue. There's no amount of failure that God can't still chase after you. If you're here, it's proof that God is drawing you to himself. And so we have a text that we're going to be looking at today. It's, it's John chapter 15, verses 18. And I think I'm going to go all the way to 16.1, even though it's not going to be on your notes or on the screen. I think I might go to 16.1, but let's see if we could just stay with um, uh, 18 to 27. Would you stand with me as we read God's word? If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. This ends the reading of God's Word. Please have a seat. So let me give you the scenario. Jesus is eating the last meal that he'll eat with his followers. He's giving them the most important, just before he's taken away from them, just before he's crucified, he's going to give them the most important instruction of their lives. He's going to tell them some indispensable things that they can't go through life without, or else they'll run away. In fact, that's what 16.1 says. The next verse right after it says this. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. So that you won't run from him. So we see here, and I want you to see this, that you've been chosen. 
Do you see that here in verse 19, and the second part of verse 19? As it is written, you did not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. God has chosen you, chosen you to be saved, chosen you to have right relationship with him, chosen you. He says, I'm pursuing. I go, God goes, I know what you've done. I know the skeletons you have in your closet. I know when you're, I know when you're doing sin and I know when you're running away. I know it better than you do. God says, and he says, I choose you. Don't run from that. It's the worst thing in the world to run. Run from being chosen. There's a show that we occasionally watch, my wife and I, during vacation. It's called The Shark Tank. Anybody familiar with The Shark Tank? Okay. So basically the premise is, is that uh, entrepreneurs come in, you sit, uh, uh, and there are like four, sometimes five really successful people. They're sitting, waiting to hear your idea about your business or your invention or whatever it is. And then one of them says, I choose you. And it's like the best day of their lives when the person says, I choose you, because it comes with all sorts of benefits and finances. It comes with all their connections and their perks. In other words, when they get chosen, they're having someone who is far greater in life in terms of wealth and influence. That, those people are choosing them and that, that's gonna change their whole life. So it's not rare for a person to jump up and down or start crying or hug this person because they were chosen. I'm telling you, beloved, I'm telling you, being chosen by God is, being better, than, is better than being chosen in the shark tank. It's better than having all four sharks come on your team. It's better, it's better than that. But I remember this one time, this one time, all the sharks had gotten out and this one guy was still pitching his thing and there was a shark called Mr. Wonderful. Mr. Wonderful is a very colorful character and he, uh, you know, he, he, he uh, views himself as sort of like a straight shooter, the Simon Cowell, you know, the guy who does the, all right, yeah. So I'm losing him. All right, so the point is, is that he chose the guy and the guy said this, is there anybody else who would like to invest in my business? And like everybody was dumbfounded. This has never, been ha this has never happened before. And they said, no, 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 you got a live offer. Go take it. One of the, uh, you know, the sharks said that you got a live offer. You got a real offer. Go take that. And he was like, well, I would honestly, I would do business with anyone here except for Mr. Wonderful, the guy. Well, well, they kicked him out, obviously. And he missed this incredible opportunity. But can I tell you the truth? That guy's not the only guy who was chosen and turned away from a great opportunity. Some of you have been running from Jesus. And your story is that you would go with anyone or anything, but please, not Jesus. 
He's chosen you. He's pursuing you. He's offering forgiveness and love. He's offering salvation and rest. He's offering peace and joy. And you go, anybody else? Anybody else? It's madness. He chooses you. Turn to him. Stop running for him. Whatever it is that you use to numb yourself to your desperate need for Jesus, whether it's food or heroin, turn from it and turn to Christ, the one who is running after. He's running after you. Choose the one who's choosing you. You've been chosen, but for what? Well, let me give you four reasons why you've been chosen, right? (laughs) And let me just say the obvious right now. The reason that God chose you is because you wouldn't choose him. There's nothing in us that loves Jesus or wants to pursue Jesus. There's nothing in us that wants to turn to God. We would, I think um, it was uh, Churchill. Churchill said something funny. He goes, the Americans always, you know, Winston Churchill, uh, World War II, he's fighting uh, this unbelievable force in the Nazis and uh, Japan and other and, and others and he's going to the US and he's fighting almost by himself for years and he goes you know what's wonderful about America they always choose to do what's right after they've exhausted every other opportunity you know I thought about that and I think that's true about me I'll always choose Jesus after I've exhausted every other avenue. Is anybody else like that? It's terrible. Edwin always chooses Jesus after he's chosen food and shopping and all the other things that are supposed to make him feel better. Jesus is choosing you. He's pursuing you. He's giving you an offer of salvation, of forgiveness of sins, of a changing places with you, where he takes all of your sin, all of your gully, all of your dirty, all of your grimy, all of your nasty, and he, rep- he takes that on himself, and he gives you what he is, all of his righteousness, all of his goodness, all of his purity. It's for you. And if you're like that Shark Tank experience, you start jumping up and down and crying because you know your life has just been changed. And if you don't feel like that, then maybe your life has not been changed. You haven't received the choosing. Well, we've talked a lot about choosing. Jesus has chosen. But what has he chosen us to? Well, I think it's four things. Four things that we're going to talk about. Jesus has chosen. He's going to forgive you He's going to replace his, uh, he's going to um, substitute his righteousness for your sin. He's going to take it upon himself. That's why he went to the cross. But let's look at this. First, you are, you have been chosen to be loved. Someone say to be loved. loved. You've been chosen to be loved. He has chosen to love you. Listen to what it says here. Um, As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out 
of the world. There is this beautiful sense of ownership that Jesus has for the ones that he's chosen. It's a beautiful sense of ownership. I love you. I, I want to pour myself into you. I don't want to give you away. I want to hold on to you. you have cho- he's chosen to love you. You know, we have a new daughter in our house. Um, She's five months old today. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's super exciting. And so um, uh, uh, my youngest son, David, who's nine, he um, was uh, talking to her and he said, oh, do you want a stuffed animal? You know, you know how like people talk to babies that they, you know, they don't know, but you just talk to them and all that stuff. Do you want a stuffed animal? And she kept on grabbing for the, the, um, the, the stuffed animal we call Fat Spidey. Because it's a really round Spider-Man. So we call it Fat Spidey. Fat Spidey. And so he goes, she's grabbing for the Fat Spidey. But that's off limits. She, he does not want to give her Fat Spidey. So in a one moment of mercy, he hands her over Fat Spidey. He starts to slob all over. And he goes, no thanks. And then he gives her uh, another stuffed toy, right? Because he won't part with the thing that he loves so much. You know, God feels that way about you. And some of you have been taken and abused and have abused yourself. You've chosen poorly and you've pursued things that are not Jesus. And God goes, no, 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 you'll be mine forever. I'm never going to part from you. I love you. I have chosen you. You've been chosen to be loved. But also, you've been chosen to be hated. Let's look at verse 18. We see this all over this text, but we'll just look at verse 18 and verse, uh, second part of verse 20. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Go to verse 20. It says, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they, if they obeyed my teaching, they will also, uh, they will obey yours also. We've been chosen to be loved by God, but if you're loved by God, many times you're hated by the world. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, Have you ever, like, um, gone away, like, not necessarily gone away, but let's say, for instance, uh, left, this is the end of the summer uh, school, uh, you know, summer break, and so have any of you ever gone and then, like, you didn't see a friend for a whole summer break, and then you met back up with them only to find that they changed or you changed and, like, you didn't connect anymore? It was like, wow, last year we were like best friends. And this year, it's like not, you know what happened? You changed. You were transformed. You were exposed to other friends. You were exposed to other experiences. You were exposed to other communities. And something happened. You matured. You changed. You weren't the same. You know, the same is true when you come to Christ. When you come to Christ, the reason that you're hated is because you've had a transformation. You're no longer the same. You're different than what you used to be. And because you're different than what you used to be, some will hate you. Boy, did I experience this. It was interesting. I was new in recovery. 
So I come from an addicted background. I come from a 12-step program. And I was new in recovery, like the first five years of recovery. And uh, all of my friends, they knew how crazy I was. So they said, Edwin, you need to get with God. They would say that to me. They would go, Edwin, you need to get with God. You need to have some form of spirituality. And that was fine, so long as I was going to be a Buddhist, so long as I was going to be a, a, a New Age person who believed in crystals and things like that. So as long as I believed in those things, everybody was like, yo, this is dope. You're doing it, man. You're, going, you're growing. You're going in the right direction. But the moment I saw that Jesus chose me and I said, yes, I want to follow you, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, oh, what, now you're a holy roller? I was like, a holy roller? I just said if you want to go to McDonald's. Like, I, like where's this coming from? It was insane. Like, they, called, they, they started to call the group that I was with um, the God Squad, and not like in a healthy way, right, Evelyn? You remember this. And so it was like the God Squad. It, was like, it, was, it wasn't a compliment. It was like, oh, stay away from those people. And it was like, it was insane how the people who I loved and loved me now hated me. But that's, I didn't know it then, but I know it now. I'm called to be hated. Now, I got to be careful. Because some of us are hated because we're jerks. <laughs> and we got to own that one. Like, I wasn't, let, let's face it, I wasn't hated by all these people just because I was so godly. <laughs> For some people, I was just rude and, and mean-spirited and, and not tactful. And so, so, you know, I, I never did this, but I can imagine, like, this is what the, the way they felt. I was like, hey, do you want to come to church? You know, what are you doing on Sunday? Hey, you want to come to church with me? And you guys should be inviting people uh, to come with you and gather together. But, like, I was going, hey, like that. And, and they would go, no, you know, I'm going to, you know, whatever it is, I'm going to, you know, um, paint my nails or whatever, you know, they said that they were going to do. And, and I wouldn't say this, but I would think it. I was like, well. It's going to be hot in hell for you. And so that's a terrible way to emotionally think about people in that moment. Because I had a process where people had to invite me over and over and over again before God opened my eyes to him. You see, but listen to me. Listen to me. If you're hated because you're a jerk, there's nothing godly about that. If you're hated because you're rude, there's nothing spiritual about that. If you're hated because you're not tactful, there's nothing cool about that. No, no, no. Be hated because of Jesus. In fact, because we just learned what we learned about being loved, when people come up to us and they start accusing us, and like, you know, with the God Squad, people would accuse me of all sorts of things, it was easier to just go, you know how like when people accuse you of stuff and they're like 90% wrong? and 10% right. Have you ever experienced this? And you feel really good about that because now you can lay into them because they got you all wrong. But there's that little 10% that there's kind of true, but you don't want to admit to yourself. You know what I mean? No, nobody else goes through that? Uh, okay, all right. Well, yeah, so what happens is in our flesh, we want to respond back to those people and just start digging into them. Why? Because we need to be okay in their eyes. This is not true. This is, listen, not for the Christian. We're already loved. We're already chosen. We're already accepted. Because of this, we can go to that 10% and go, you know what? I think I did. 
I think, I think what you're saying is true. I think that little part that you said about how I responded to you, I think you're right. And the reason I can do that with joy, and the reason I can do that in a, in a, a setting with a, with a friend, or in a setting in my marriage, or in a setting with our brothers and sisters here in Christ, the reason I can do that, the reason I don't have to defend myself, is because of the first thing. I'm loved by Jesus, and nothing will take that away. So you're called. You're called to be loved. You've been chosen to be loved. You've been chosen to be hated. Now, let me just say this before I move on. If you're not hated, at least by some people, <laughs> I wonder about how you're letting your light shine. So let me tell you what I mean. I remember um, one time I went to pick up a person in, uh, uh, I went to pick up a person in their workplace and they introduced me. This was really awkward, okay? So they go and they introduce me. It's like, hey, this is my pastor, Edwin. And I'm like this, hey, how you doing? And it's like, pastor, you got a pastor? You go to church? Really? I never knew. I couldn't tell. It was one of those moments where it was like super awkward because I knew what our, the rest of our conversation was going to be like for lunch, right? It was like, oh, wait, he had fitted in so well. Like in the locker room, his jokes were so fresh. Like in the conversations, his, his demeanor was so nasty. And, and, and there was no distinction between him and them. None. Can we pause for a second? Is there no distinction between you? And those around you? Like you drink as much as other people drink, you swear as much as other people swear, you do whatever other people do, you have sex as much as other people have sex outside of marriage. Is that like your story? Like, a, like a, it, I mean, I'm not saying every one of us needs to grow. Who needs to grow here? Raise your hand if you need to grow in Jesus. We all need to grow in Jesus. Okay, good. At least we found out who the people who are asleep are, okay? <laughs> Listen to me. This is important. We all need to grow. But if there's nothing in our lives that suggests Jesus is Lord of it, that should be a pause of concern because maybe Jesus is not Lord of it. Does that make sense? That stinks, right? That's a Debbie Downer. But it's true. And I'm not saying it because I want to hurt. I want to say it because of that first one. You're loved. Go back to being loved. Go back to being transformed by his love. Go back to being in the shark tank, watching him choose you and going, my life has been changed forever. Go back to that. Go back to that. You've been chosen to be loved. You've been chosen to be hated. And then let's give the last two really fast. You've been chosen to be filled. Verse 26. Look at verse 26. When the advocate comes, by the way, the advocate is the Holy Spirit. Isn't that a cool name? The advocate. What, what does an advocate do? An advocate stands up for you. An advocate pleads your case. Like when you want, if you ever go into a courtroom, you want a competent advocate. The advocate, the Holy Spirit comes, whom I will send to you from the Father. 
the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father. He will testify about me. You've been called to be filled. You know how empty and lonely you've been in your life? You know how like you've pursued other things that are not joy-filled and how you've pursued other things that are not Jesus? Well, Jesus says, no more. You don't have to walk around with that emptiness in your life. I'm going to, listen, I'm going to be present in your life in the form of the Holy Spirit. He, he will live in you and guide you and direct you. And when you blow it, he'll comfort you and intercede for you and advocate for you. He is the one who strengthens you to do what's right, gives you the desire to do what's good. He's the one who gives you everything that you need and he'll not be with you. He'll be in you. He'll be filling you, strengthening you for everything ahead. The Spirit will be filling you. You've been chosen to be filled don't ignore that. Don't turn away from that. Don't quench the spirit of the living God. The scriptures talk about that it's possible to quench the spirit of God. Could you imagine how gracious God is where he says, oh, you just, you want to do you? Okay. I mean, that's terrible. In fact, one of the worst, worst, um, worst acts of wrath that God has in the scriptures is leaving you to your own devices. Like if you have no remorse, if you have no conscience about doing what's wrong, God says that's, that's, that's like, that's a, that's a red, red light indicator. That is bells, alarms should be ringing. You should be crying out to Jesus, asking him to change your heart. But you've been called to be filled. What does that mean? That means that the spirit will fill you and give you and give you what you need for whatever you need it. We have members in our church who are going through terrible illnesses. I mean, just in the Rivera household alone, we have uh, one who's uh, uh, really wrestling with cancer and is still in the emergency room after the chemotherapy. Not, not the cancer, just the chemotherapy. And then there's another person who had to get spinal surgery. I mean, it just, they're struggling. Listen, the Holy Spirit fills you fills you so that you can go through even moments like that. Some of us are going through some very hard times physically. Beloved, he fills you. He fills you to endure the pain, the suffering. Some of us are enduring incredible temptation. He fills you. He fills you that in that temptation you can find rest and satisfaction in Him and all that He gives. Some of us are experiencing terrible, terrible brokenness, and He gives you a community of people. He's filling you. He's filling you. He's filling you. Don't forget this. You've been chosen to be loved. You've been chosen to be hated. You've been chosen to be filled. And finally, you've been chosen to be emptied. Do you see that there in verse 27? And you also, right? So he first says, he, that's the Holy Spirit, will testify about me. And then verse 27, and you also must testify. Look at me. And you also must testify. Beloved, we've been loved and will be hated. We've been filled, 
But the purpose of this filling is to be emptied out, to serve others, to tell others about Jesus. I know, I used to say this thing years ago. I stopped saying it because I realized how crazy it was. I used to say this thing. Um, share the gospel at all times, in all places, in every opportunity, and use words only when necessary. Sounds cool, doesn't it? It's just, it's just completely false. It's totally, totally wrong. It's not true. Think about this. Think about this. Jesus had to tell people. Like you, think your life, like, you think your life is such a bright, shining star? Is that what you think? That your life is such a bright, shining star, much more than Jesus, that you don't have to tell anybody? Think about that, right? People see your good works, and they go, this is so beautiful. You helped me move. Nobody else showed up. Everybody else said that they would come. You can, why are you so kind? You just met me. Why did you do this? Not telling. No, 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 really, really. Why are you doing this beautiful thing? Figure it out. That's absurd. It's absurd. We got to actually tell people about Jesus. Like, how will they believe if no one has preached to them? And if no one goes to preach them, how will they, how will they find this incredible, beautiful gift that God has given us? Beloved, you've been called to testify. You've been called. And listen to me. You don't got to testify. What are, what are witnesses? What are, what are witnesses? Witnesses are people who share about what they've experienced or seen. That's what witnesses are. You've been called to be a testifier, a witnesser. That's to, so what has Jesus done in your life? Nothing. Good. Let's go back to the first part of the sermon. Let's talk about receiving Christ, exchanging your sinfulness for his righteousness. Let's go to that. But if there's a testimony about God in your life where I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was once blind, but now I see. And when people ask you all the hard questions that you're afraid that they ask you, you can in humility, because you're loved, you in humility can go, I don't know what the answer is, but can I tell you the story again? I was once lost, but am now found. I was once blind, but now see. Beloved, you've been chosen to testify. Don't you be satisfied with silence. But because you're loved and hated and filled, be poured out. Be poured out. So, what can you do? All right. Well, as we close, I want you to think about this. Tomorrow, as you go through your workday, I want you to go through your workday, whether you're at home or at school or at work, I want you to be reminded, wait, I'm loved and I'll be hated so I don't need to be shocked and it doesn't need to, you know, turn my life upside down and I don't need to go through a three-month depression because I'm hated. I'm loved deeply by God and I'm hated by others and I'm filled by the Holy Spirit and I can be poured out for others. Beloved, you can go out tomorrow because this very thing that I'm asking you to do, Jesus has already done for you. Do you see what happened? Do you see how this is in a roadmap of Jesus' life? Jesus is with the Father. God with God. God the Father 
sends God the Son, and God the Son, who literally, when we say God is love, it's because of the uh, affections that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit has for each other. God doesn't have love. God is the thing. He's love. And that love, Jesus goes, I got it. I'm going, I'm going to them, Pop. And Pop goes, yes, I want you to go to them. And then Jesus comes. He's loved. And what happens? Anybody knows? He's hated. Those he came to save reviled him, wanted nothing to do with him. As the musicians come up, he was reviled. He was filled, filled with God's word, filled with the spirit, filled with the purpose of God, filled. And then what did he do with that? Anybody know? He talked about turning to him so much that they killed him. Beloved, if Jesus talked about turning to him so much that they killed him, surely we can talk about Jesus enough till someone says, all right, that's enough already. Or till someone says, uh, okay, I don't want to hear it anymore. Or say, yeah, you're silly for believing in that. Beloved, surely we could do that. You could experience, you go, wait, Jesus, is this how you were loved? Yeah. And when they hate you, you go, Jesus, is this how you were hated? Oh, man, I can't believe you did all that for me. It brings me back to love. And then, Jesus, fill me with your spirit so that I can be emptied out for everyone in your name. Beloved, that's possible for you. Because not only did Jesus do it for you, he'll also do it in you. The same Jesus who died for you will reign in you so that you can have all of that. You have been chosen.